If you're here tonight visiting, you are so welcome. You belong here. You belong to God. It's just a matter of finding out. It's a process. You know, even before I became a believer, I found it hard to believe in evolution. You need a lot of faith to believe that out of nothing, an amoeba came to this planet and all you arrived and everything else. I believe in a creative and creator, a genius that has put you and I together, put laws in place. What evolution says to the three big questions of life, which are, who am I, why am I here, and where am I going? Evolution says, who am I? You're an accident. Why are you here? For no reason. And where are you going? Nowhere. Thanks a lot for that one. But the Bible says something very different. Who are you? You're a child of God. You belong to God. Why are you here? To have fellowship with God and loving God and loving people and advancing his kingdom. And where am I going? There's a place called heaven where the streets are paved with gold. No tarmac in heaven, it's gold. And there's 12 gates. And you know, it says in Revelation that each gate is made out of one oyster. No, one pearl. One pearl, not an oyster, a pearl. But it brings me to the question, how big was that oyster that that pearl came out of? Come on, I'm in uh, Port Lincoln. You all know about oysters, don't you? Well, it's so good to be with you. I enjoyed myself this morning. And... uh, Thank you so much for those people that sponsored children. We've got another 15 children there, and I just want to briefly speak about compassion to those that are not familiar. But before I do, and uh, I started off this morning speaking about belief, the belief system that you carry internally is a primary part of a human being because you're belief system will take you to your destination in life and also in eternal life. Because when you die, you do not cease to exist. Whether you are a believer or not, you will continue to exist because you are a spirit and you have a soul and you live in a body. It's very important for us as believers to understand that and for people to understand that, that you are a spirit and, and the work that we're involved in is invisible, which makes it really difficult sometimes, but it's the way God's chosen to do it. And Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Come on. He's the visible image of the invisible God. So as we delve in the invisible and as I speak these invisible words, Through your eye gate and your ear gate, receive the word and let it affect your belief system. Some of it you might not believe. Well, that's okay. You've heard it. Jesus in John 6.64 said, The words that I speak, they are life and they are spirit. 
We're in the same business. That's why there's power in your words, because they're spiritual. So, I want to speak into your world. Is that okay? If it's not okay, I'm going to speak it anyway. Um, compassion. Uh, I've been in ministry for some, oh gosh, years. And I'm very delighted about that, I might say. Um, but uh, three and a half years ago, um, I pioneered a church in Adelaide. We started off with two people. Two. We only just got Jesus there because it's where two or more are gathered. So we just made it. And I'm pleased to say that some 21 years later, the church now is probably around 500 people. Got a $5 million complex and all glory to God. We started off with nothing. So God can do miracles. Even with people like me and you. So... We want miracles in our lives, not for our own benefit, but for the advancement of his kingdom. So three and a half years ago, after being in ministry for year after year after year, as I said to the people this morning, when I started in ministry, I had a full head of hair, long flowing hair. And over a period of time, it disappeared. And for all your, you young people, you men, your turn will come. Um just want to show a go through a PowerPoint quickly. God's heart. Well, we're switched on. Our um, mission statement is releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. Um, poverty is demonic. Poverty steals dreams, tells people they're, they're of no value, that they've not got a purpose or a future. The Bible says something very different. And uh, the mission statement, that is the reason compassion exists, is to release children from poverty, but in the name of Jesus. God's heart is for the poor. Leviticus 19, 9 and 10 God says, when you reap the harvest, I know some of you heard it this morning, but I want to repeat it for those that weren't here. Um, the corner of the field, which is that blue corner there, which represents the corner of the field, God says to Israel, make sure you leave that for the poor. And in the book of Ruth, where Naomi and Ruth returned back to Bethlehem, they went and gleaned from the corner of Boaz's field. And it was, the, it was the corner for the poor. And so God's heart is for the poor. Right through the scriptures, Matthew 25, Jesus said, I was poor, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. And the disciples said, when did we do that? He said, when you did it to the least of these. God's heart's for the poor. Don't ignore the poor. God's heart's for children. Matthew 19, when they were shooing away the children, Jesus said, let the children come to me because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. God has got a great heart for children. He says to us, adults, he says, become like children because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Not to be childish, but to be childlike. 
the vulnerability, the innocence, the openness to believe. And the foreigner, God is for the foreigner because we all come from Adam and Eve. If you weren't born in this country or your parents weren't born in this country, lift your hand. We've got a few of you foreigners. I was one of them too. But now I'm an Aussie. Do you know how I know I'm an Aussie? Because when we beat the Poms at cricket, I go, yes. (laughs) Much to the disgust of my father. So God's for the foreigner. So he's for the poor, he's for children, he's for the foreigner. The distinctives of compassion is we are Christ-centered, child-focused, and church-based. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank God for all agencies that work with children. There are 385 million children that live in abject poverty. 385 million. And there's many good agencies that work with them. But the distinctive of compassion is that we are a Christian organization and we verbalize that. We make it very clear to governments and countries that we enter into that we are a Christian organization, that we are child-focused, that we are focused on helping the children who are poor, and we just work through the local churches. The mandate to the pastors of those local churches is go into your community and find the poorest of the poor and bring them back to the church. And we'll resource the church to run a program so that those children are fed, are clothed, are educated, have health and dental checks, and also that they get vocational training. And the vocational training is for Manuel, this little five-year-old, and you've got some pictures of kids on your chairs so that we can resource him vocational training so that he in turn can be a resource back to his family. As I said this morning, we are not Centrelink. I'm not against Centrelink, I think it's good. But um, ours is to release children from poverty, train them up so they become a resource to the family so we can break that cycle of poverty. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. How can I go into all the world and preach the gospel? Do I catch a plane every other week and go somewhere and preach? No, I can do it through sponsorship that I know that these children will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and I am a partner in that by sponsoring. It costs $12 a week and it can change children's lives. So we make an appeal. Firstly, we say to those that sponsor children, thank you so much. You are making a big difference in the life of those children. Really, I've seen it. I was in the Philippines last year, and I went to six, seven projects. And um, there were kids in that project that were 17, 18, and 19 years old. And I found out that 95% of them had come in as compassion kids when they were five. And they stayed in the church all that time, got saved, and now are helping with the project. It's just brilliant, volunteering and helping because they know what effect it brings. 
Um, there's one of the children that we, Carol and I sponsor. I said this morning he's got a lovely hairdo. His name's Wycliffe and he lives in uh, Nairobi, in the slums of Nairobi. And he didn't have any dreams, but since we sponsored him and he's been in the program, he's got dreams and he wants to be an engineer. So um, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to uh, help him. We work with um, two million children today. We, uh, it's still a drop in the ocean, but it is a drop. Listen, you can't do everything, but everybody can do something. So if everybody just did one thing, you add all that together and it makes a difference. So um, before I go on and just bring a quick word to you, well, it might not be that quick. It'll be effective and efficient, let's say. Um, I want us to pray for these children because the prayers of the righteous avails much. And not only do they need sponsorship, but they need relationship. They need to know that they're loved. They need to feel that they belong. And uh, the Church of Jesus Christ, we're called to help the poor. So if you would take a picture of one of these children in your hand. I've got Man Manuel. He's from Guatemala. He's been waiting 260 days for a sponsor, and he's five years old, and he's got his thumbs up. So I'm hoping that young Manuel will be sponsored tonight. But let's pray. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you for the great privilege of coming boldly to the throne of grace. And we just come and intercede for these young children, these children that live in poverty. And we lift them up before you and say, God, let your grace and your mercy pour out upon them. Release them from poverty in Jesus' name. Set them free, Lord. We know that your heart is for them to be set free. And so we as your people, as we hold these children, Lord, show us, draw us to them, if it be your will for them to be sponsored tonight. Lord, you love the children, and we say, God, bring your blessing upon every single one of them and their families. Poverty is wrong. Your kingdom come, Lord and your will be done in the lives of these children just like it is in heaven. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Please be seated. Okay. Now, you got your Bibles? I spoke to a group of young people not so long ago, and I said, this is paper. You write on it. Words are on it. Because everybody, and I'm one of those as well, has my Bible on my phone. Every, everybody here have a mobile phone? There's one or two shaking their heads saying no, but most of you do. And the incredible things. Changes your life. Worldview, that is. Okay, um, turn your Bibles to your favorite book. Leviticus. 
Now I'm going to read five verses. You've got to stick with me on this so I can unpack it. And uh, I pray that it will be helpful. So um, we're speaking from Leviticus 6, 8 to 10, and then 10 to 13. And it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth upon the altar all night until morning, and the fire on the altar shall be kept burning. And the priest shall put on his linen garments and his linen trousers, and he shall put on his body and take up the ashes of the burnt offering, which the fire has consumed on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. Then he shall take off his garments, put on other garments, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. Father, help us understand your word revealed to us by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, The tabernacle in Israel was really important. It was about 50 meters long and 25 meters approximately wide. And the tabernacle, as they were, had left Egypt, and Egypt represents sin and captivity, and so they were released from that, and they went into the wilderness, and they were in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years. Now, this is, there's a teaching there. And that is, they had the presence of God, the power of God, the provision of God, but they still went round in circles. So you can have the presence of God, the power of God, and the provision of God, but still go around in circles. The key is the purpose of God. See, they'd been called to a purpose to enter the promised land. But they disobeyed, and so they still had the presence of God. Oh, we sense your presence. Oh, the provision of God. There's the manna. There's the quail. Oh, look, our kids grow with the shoes, and the shoes grow with the kids. Did you know that? Their clothes never wore out. Who'd like some of them? I have a pair of shoes that never wear out, please. And they saw the power of God, the fire of God, the miracles of God, And the presence of God, and part of it, was in this tabernacle. But they still went round in circles. So uh, for your own lives, and I'm not preaching on this, but for your own lives, connecting to the purpose of God. So you're not going round in circles. Because you can, and they did for 40 years. Anyway, back to the tabernacle. Part of the tabernacle... Um, as, you, as the priests entered the tabernacle, there was the altar of the burnt offering. And they went on further, and there was the holy place, and then the holy of holies. But we were going to stay at the tabernacle, uh, just inside the tabernacle, where this altar is. And there, super, supernaturally, in Leviticus 9.24, I think it is, that fire on the altar was started by God. 
then what God said to Israel was, keep the fire burning. And that's a metaphoric picture for us. You see, at some stage in your life, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit, who is God's presence on earth, Jesus and the Father are not on the planet. They're in heaven. Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and they sent the Holy Spirit to be on the planet to represent and reveal Jesus and the Father. So this picture of the Spirit touching our spirit is that a fire starts in you. And it started in me, I worked it out, 37 years I was three years old when I got saved. So you're all adding that up and thinking, goodness, he's had a rough life. Um, The priest's job was to keep the fire burning. The command to Aaron was... This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth upon the altar until morning, and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. Um, If you want to grow in the faith, now, be careful before you respond to this. Be careful. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you want to... Do I answer it yet? Do you want to grow in your faith? Do you want to be all that God has called you to be? If that's the case, just lift your hand slightly. I see those hands. Well, that's good. Because Jesus is coming back for a mature church. Somebody said to me, what does God want me to do? Does he want me to preach? Does he want me to sing? Does he want me to teach? Does he want me to be in hospitality? Does he want me to serve? And they're all good things. But what God wants all his people to do is grow up. And part of the growing up is understanding that you've got to keep the fire burning. So I'm going to bring you how many points? Yeah, because that's what pastors do. I want to bring three points to help keep that fire burning. You see, the fire represents relationship with God, worship to God. I keep taking these glasses off. They're new, I told the people this morning. They're those bifocals. And if you look down when you're walking, you sort of like lose your balance. So... Again, it's not the anointing, it's sort of like my glasses that are causing me a bit of trouble. But I am getting used to them. Has anybody else got bifocals that can relate with me? Yeah, thank you. Good. So, he starts the fire burning inside us. Uh, I want to encourage you. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. We, we can't do this on our own. Now, there's, there's a contingent of Christians that are a bit frightened of the Holy Spirit. Now, I, don't, I want to say this. He's not here to scare us. He's here to help us because he's called a helper. And to keep that fire burning, our relationship with him is very important. It's critical to keep the fire burning. 
So I want to encourage you. If you're not being baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can be. You know, I had a... What time did you say? Nine o'clock? Ten o'clock. So, okay, well, that's just a little joke that I used this morning. We'll be finished by s- five to six. Okay, better move along. Um, I, do you know how, how I got baptized in the Holy Spirit? I got saved, I knew I was saved, and uh, I went to the Salvation Army, and I was in the Salvation Army for a few years. But what I used to do on some Sunday nights is sneak off to what was in those days called Clemzig. Has anybody ever heard of the Clemzig AOG, which is influences today? And I used to go and sneak in there, and they used to say about tongues and and baptism in the Spirit. And I thought, what's that all about? I was like Acts 19. We haven't even heard of a Holy Spirit. I didn't know. Anyway, I'm there in the meeting, and I, I, I went with my mum for security. And um, my mum, uh, the, the meeting went on. And at the end of the meeting, the preacher said, Now, is anybody sick? Come out the front because I'll pray for you. And my mum turned to me and she said, Will you come out the front with me because I've got a really bad headache? I said, oh, Okay. So we went down the front and he's praying for people. And uh, he said, What do you want prayer for? I said, Oh, it's my mum. She's got a bad headache. Could you pray for her? He said, yeah, no problem. So he starts praying for her. And as he's praying for her, she just lilted like that. And her head touched my shoulder and I got filled with the Spirit. And I started speaking in this tongue and I'm thinking, what's that all about? So that was my experience. But listen, keep the fire burning. Three steps to keeping the fire burning. Um, The priest had this responsibility, and the first was, in verse 10, And the priest shall put on his linen garments and his linen trousers, he shall put on his body, and take up the ashes of the burnt offering which the fire has consumed on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. You see, he, he had these holy linen garments, and what that is is a representation of God. And he had his godly garments on. And what he did is he got the shovel in and he cleaned out the ashes and put them next to the the altar. So he'd put in the shovel and bring out the ashes. You see, you've got to clean out the ashes if you want a good fire. For all those that are pyromaniacs, who who loves a good fire? I love a good fire. I love it. Just burn and burn. I go ballistic. I'll be sweating. and I just like the fire. Anyway... (laughs) Um, But but you you see, you've got to get the ashes out. And the ashes are are traumatized wood or fuel. It gets traumatized and it creates ashes in the fire. And, and, And for the fire to be a good fire, you've got to clean the ashes out. And in the same sense, we as individuals, to keep our fire burning, we've got to take out the ashes, the traumas of life. The journey of life has traumas. When I first came to Christ, they said everything's going to be wonderful. They didn't tell me there were still the ups and downs. It was like I was going to be floating on a a cloud and it was going to be all marvelous. 
and never have any trouble. How? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've had lots of trouble. Come on, don't make me feel alone here, surely. And I, and I thought that as you got older, it calmed down. But it's just gone crazy. But that's all right. I know who's with me because when you're in the tunnel, there is a light at the end. But get this, God's with you in the tunnel. It's all good. So you may have had in your journey of life mental trauma, physical trauma, sexual trauma, emotional trauma, church trauma. Has anybody ever had church? Don't put your hands up. Put them hands down. Um, issues with yourself, issues with life, issues with people. Um, that's what sin has created. And, and there's, there's been a... Look, I've been forgiven of my sin, but I know that I'm on a journey of being conformed to the image of him. But still, sin in the world affects me. In fact, two and a half years ago, my middle son, who'd been married for two years found out that his wife had gone off with another man. We were traumatized. And to see a 26 years old, as he was at that time, being traumatized, he was working 60 hours a week and he had no idea that she'd done this. So as a family, it wasn't my decision, it wasn't our decision but we were traumatized by it. And you see, if you do not clean the ashes out, then it'll put out your fire. You see, I had to process this myself. And as a family, we had to process it to get them ashes out. And I needed the clothing of God to be able to see the situation as God sees it. Now, listen, I, I, I think sometimes... We as Christians can say, oh, well, it happened to me and straight away I forgive him. Well, for me, I had to process it. I couldn't. I, I, I just found, we as a family, we found it so difficult that we've been betrayed. It was a betrayal to all of us. But when you see your son in agony of trauma, it affects you. I, every ache and pain he was feeling, we were feeling as parents. But we had to work at getting those ashes out. We had to see. I knew the destiny for us as a family is that we had to forgive. It doesn't mean we forget, but we had to forgive. And the forgiveness is one where she might not even know and she's kept a distance and all that. But in my heart, I cannot allow that to continue to traumatize and put out the fire in my heart. So you've, you've got to deal with it. Because if you don't deal with those ashes in our lives, we become the victim. We become a victim, and bitterness is at the door. You've got to get, you've got to get God to help you take out the ashes and put them on that side. And it's like, you can then stand there and review and process the trauma that's happened in your life. I was not going to allow 
that situation to affect us so badly that we become depressed and the victims. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We are called to be overcomers. Does it hurt? Yes. But can we do it? Yes. So the next stage, as you take out those ashes and put them on the side, is you've got to carry the ashes out. Then he shall take off his garments, put on other garments, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. It's like the ashes are being taken out, put on one side, then the priest puts down the shovel, goes and changes, and puts on his own clothes. You see, that's the metaphoric picture for us, that in God we put those ashes to one side in our lives. Then we've got to put on our humanity and do something with those ashes. And what the priest did was he put on his own clothes, got the ashes, and carried them out of the life of Israel. We've got to take them out of our lives and put them in a clean place. You see, it's God and man dealing with a situation. You can, God does not do everything. He can, but he doesn't. There's a responsibility on our side to do something as well. In God, I can see the ashes, the problems, the challenge, and in God, we can take them out so it doesn't smother my heart. But then I've got to take the responsibility as well and respond and do something with those ashes and take them out of our lives so that I'm free. Take them to a clean place. And what that means practically is that I'm able to get with people who love me and say, this is what we've gone through. This is what we've struggled with. If we, if we confess our sins, if we confess our hurts, if we confess our challenges, He is faithful and just to help us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you see that? It's God and man because a lot of the time we just deposit it on God and we say, oh, well, God's got to sort everything out. Yes, well, God will sort things out, but He needs you to play a part so that those, that fire inside of us is not smothered. I don't want to grow old and bitter. If the sun sets you free, you're truly free indeed. I'm not going to let that situation and other situations in life, but that one has been a big one in recent time for us. And I don't want any more. <laughs> but the life happens. Things happen. And I've got to be positioned in a place to get those ashes out. I've got to carry the ashes out. Take my humanity. Confess my own brokenness and my need for help. And that with this situation, that I want to be in a place where it's not affecting me. And I'm pleased to say it took a while but now I just see it as a situation. And I'm pleased to say that my son has strengthened and is coping well in life. But the agony that we suffered was for 12, 18 months. So it's only been in the last six, eight months 
that he's really come through it and I'm very thankful for, for that. I have to share who I am as well. It's just speaking about the word which is my life and the challenges that we have. And finally, I'm not going to ask you to say finally, you said it too loud this morning. You've got to carry those ashes out to a clean place. You've got to then bring wood and fire, wood and sacrifice for the fire. Um, to keep the fire burning, it says in 6.12, And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it, it shall not be put out, and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and lay the burnt offering in order on it, and he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offering. Keep the fire burning. Part of the fuel for the fire is the Word of God. That's where we get the, our belief system effect. It's all connected. Our belief system, hearing the Word of God, establishing things so that when trauma happens in our lives, we know what to do so that it doesn't kill us. Because sometimes you feel like doing, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but you feel like, it. come back, Jesus, it's all too much. No, I want to keep the fire burning. Why? Because we've got, a, we've got a purpose on this planet and it's to advance God's kingdom. We've got to overcome that disappointment. We've got to overcome those situations and get those ashes out. And then as the ashes are out, then we've got to get the fuel on the fire. We put the sacrifice on the fire. You know that God is attracted to sacrifice? As you give of yourselves, if, as you step out of your comfort zone, God is attracted to that. That's why he was attracted to the sacrifice of Christ. He was drawn to it and then released it. And, Je and Jesus took all the sin because God was able to deal with it through the sacrifice that was made. Self-centered Christianity has no future. Self-giving Christianity is the now and the future. Amen? I'm done just about. Oh, I'm done now. Oh, thank you. It's always good when you see the pianist come up. Well, good for you because you know that I've just about finished. Listen, I, I, I want to encourage you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Because when a man or a woman prays in the Spirit, prays in an unknown tongue, he prays to God. Mysteries. At times, you know, there's not the English words to speak out for a situation. But the Spirit intercedes on our behalf for situations and circumstances that will light the fire, burn the fire, keep the fire burning. Let's stand together. Keep the fire burning. Now, in a group this big, there's quite a few of you, I'm sure, can relate to what 
Carol and I have been through. It may not be a betrayal such as that particular one, but there's been effect and trauma in your life. And the way that we can start to deal with that is to acknowledge it and to raise our hands to heaven and say, God, I need help in this. It's been smothering the fire in my life and I want to be set free because if the sun sets me free, I'm truly free indeed. I'm not caught up and smothered by these ashes that have been created in my own life. And I just want to create an opportunity right now for you to acknowledge that. We're going to every eye closed and head bowed because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But I want to encourage you because heaven is looking. When you speak a word like this, which is fairly raw, heaven opens up. And if you're in a place where you're processing and working through a situation or circumstance that's been traumatic for you, and you need that fire fuel to keep that fire burning, I want to encourage you, lift your hands to heaven now. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Father, you see these hands raised. The traumas of life that we all have experienced. We just want to acknowledge before you that we want those ashes to be taken out of our lives and taken to a clean place, a place where there's freedom again. We know that we've had to process it, but Lord, whatever stage each person here is at, let the fire keep burning. We don't want bitterness to smother our fires. We want the fire to keep burning and burning for you and your kingdom. So for my brothers and sisters, I pray for them right now in Jesus' name. There's a step that's been taken tonight in being able to be set free and those ashes beginning to be removed. We thank you, Lord. You've seen those hands, that act of faith. Be free in Jesus' name. All God's people said, John Wesley said, catch on fire and they'll come and watch you from miles around. They'll come and watch you burn. The church is to arise and be on fire in these days. You are the church, not the building. You're the church. And God's got a plan for every single one of you. You are so valuable. You've got a great purpose in God. Keep the fire burning. Amen. You may be seated. I want to finish with a video. It's of a group called How Ridiculous. 
who are um, uh, advocates for compassion and they do all ridiculous things like dropping basket, doing basketball swishes from tops of dams. Has anybody heard of, uh, yeah, well, they're good boys and they uh, love compassion, they love God. And uh, they did this video that I'd like you to watch. Thank you so much for having us today. And uh, if you would like to know more about sponsoring children, come and see my lovely wife. Did you see Carol? Stand up, Kaz. She loves this bit. Yeah. We love Port Lincoln. But you know why we love Port Lincoln? It's because of the people in Port Lincoln. It's very beautiful scenery, but the, the jewel of Port Lincoln is the people. So God bless you and thank you so much for having us. Now, watch with interest how ridiculous. Do I need to press this? Probably. Yep, I've done.